0: Hi, it's James Jacobson, and welcome to Dog Cancer Answers. Normally, we bring you actionable information to help you manage your dog's cancer diagnosis. Since 2020, Dog Cancer Answers is being produced by Dog Podcast Network, which you probably know from those familiar barks you hear at the head and tail of our shows. Pun very much intended. However, today marks a special day. It's the debut of our network's flagship show, Called Dog Edition. Dog Edition is a smart, fun, magazine formatted podcast designed especially for you to listen to while you walk your dog. Think of it as all things considered for dog lovers. And since you're listening to my voice now, chances are you are a dog lover. So I hope you will indulge us as we hijack this feed one time today only to introduce you to a show that we're very proud of and we think you will enjoy. So without further ado, here is the first episode of Dog Edition. Hi, I'm James Jacobson. And I'm
1: Pamela Lawrence.
0: Welcome to our inaugural episode of Dog Edition, the first show designed for you to listen to while you walk your dogs.
1: Here at Dog Podcast Network, we make shows for dog lovers by dog lovers.
0: We've been developing Dog Edition, our flagship show, over the last year.
1: And it seemed pretty appropriate to launch the podcast on Inauguration Day.
0: And it just makes sense for us to tell some tales about dogs in the white house
1: we uncovered some fascinating trivia about past presidential pups for instance jim did you know that president coolidge had the most pet dogs in the white house so many in fact that people would sometimes send them their unwanted pets
0: and we're not counting george washington right like because he had 17 hound dogs
1: yeah he did but not in the white house
0: right that's because our second president john adams was the first official resident to call the White House home. But he had dogs, and one of his dogs had a pretty interesting name. His dog's name was Satan.
1: <laughs> wow, that's that's pretty bold. Makes my dog Pepper's name seem less spicy. Peppers a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Was there ever one of those in the White House?
0: Google says yes. The Reagans had one named Rex.
1: See, now that seems like an appropriate name for a dog.
0: You know, and before Rex, the Reagans had Lucky, a Beauvoir de Flanders.
1: But no dog during Reagan's first term, right? Correct. Now, a lot was made of Donald Trump not having a dog while in the White House. Did that really matter to people? Jennifer Pickens, author of several books on the history of the White House, brings her perspective today.
2: I'm excited to see pets return, but I don't think it's a must.
0: Well, count me as one of those dog lovers who is so happy that dogs are returning to the White House this week with the inauguration of Joe Biden. After a rather, shall we say, tumultuous transition.
1: Yeah, we could say that. The United States feels a little less united at the moment. But could our mutual love for dogs help us find some common ground?
0: Could be a common denominator. That voice you just heard is Patrick Carroll. He is the executive director of the Delaware Humane Association, That's where President Biden adopted his most recent dog, a German Shepherd named Major. He shares that story with us later.
1: And we chase a tale of intrigue about Kennedy and one of his dogs. That's in the first half of the show when we're joined by Andrew Hager, historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum.
0: You'll want to stick around because Andrew tells a fascinating story about how a dog born in the Soviet Union could have actually prevented nuclear war between the United States and Russia.
1: Wow, okay.
0: And in the second half of the show, we'll hear Rob Schwartz. He's the CEO of the ad agency TBWA Chiat Day New York.
1: Rob is part of the creative team that came up with the Dog Lovers for Joe marketing campaign that helped Joe Biden get elected.
0: So if you love dogs as much as we do, pause what you're doing, leash up your pup, and let's take a walk. We've got a lot to talk about as we welcome dogs back into the White House on today's episode of Dog Edition.
1: Hey, Pepper, want to go for a walk?
0: When President Trump famously declared...
3: How would I look walking a dog on the White House, lawn?" Feels a little phony, phony to me. A lot of people say, oh, you should get a dog. Why? It's good politically. I said, look, that's not the relationship I have with my people.
0: It got us wondering... Have there been specific times when having a dog has helped a president politically?
4: The obvious example, to go-to, is Richard Nixon with checkers.
0: Andrew Hager, historian in residence at the Presidential Pet Museum, yep, there's one of those, helps us tell this story.
4: You know, Nixon is going to be kicked off of Eisenhower's presidential ticket because there's this scandal that he's taking these gifts that he shouldn't be taking from wealthy Republican donors. And he goes on TV, the Eisenhower people think Nixon's going to resign, But instead, Nixon gives this speech defending himself, and
0: at the end he says... A man down in Texas heard Pat on the radio mention the fact that our two youngsters would like to have a dog. The Nixons are getting ready to leave on a campaign trip. They get a message from Union Station in Baltimore saying that there's a package for them. Ah, don't tell me. It was a little black and white Cocker Spaniel dog in a crate that some guy had sent from Texas.
3: And our little girl, Tricia, the six-year-old, named it Checkers. And you know, the kids, like all kids love the dog. And I just want to say this right now that regardless of what they say about it, we're going to keep it.
4: And you know, next thing you know, the Eisenhower campaign's getting all these telegrams like, "Oh, don't get rid of this nice man. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. Really boost Nixon's image."
0: But Nixon wasn't the first presidential candidate to use that dog card. Back in the 1920s, Herbert Hoover was seen as this really boring bureaucrat.
4: People had an image of him as a stiff Uh, His campaign took photos of him and his dog, made thousands of posters and spread those around the country, and it helped him get elected. So, you know, we're talking almost 100 years ago, people knew that the dog could be beneficial for your public relations side.
1: I leashed up my dog, Pepper, and went to a local dog park here in the San Francisco Bay Area to find out if people agreed dogs can help a president's political image.
5: Oh, sure. Like having a wife. (laughs) (laughs) I would say like... For dog people, undoubtedly, if you don't like dogs, there is something wrong with you. Uh, Is that fair to say, Jeannie?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think
2: that, uh, yeah, it it probably tells something about your nature.
1: Do you feel like uh, the breed of the dog matters? Like, what if Joe Biden came to the White House and brought, you know, a couple of chihuahuas? Would that make a difference for
0: Not his to image. me. No. No. Pam, wait a second. Let's take a break. Are those bullets in the background? I hear like shooting.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, so this was at Fort Funston in the San- in San Francisco, which is known for three things: it's hang gliders, dogs, you can see every dog imaginable there, and the San Francisco Police Department's shooting range, which is across the street. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, let's get back to the story. As to the breed of dogs and whether that makes a difference, it is important to note that President George W. Bush had a Scottish Terrier named Barney with him at the White House. And now, Barney played an important role in shaping Bush's opinion of Vladimir Putin. Oh yeah, how so? So the story goes like this. When Putin first came to the White House, Bush introduced his dog Barney to Putin, and Putin didn't seem very impressed. Bush took note of that, and that became significant a few years later when bush traveled to moscow to visit putin at his daka just outside moscow you know what let's have jennifer pickens who is a historian and an author of several books on the white house explain what happens next
2: he immediately called the president over and like whistled and had this giant dog come running and chasing up to him and it immediately came to a stop and then he goes bigger stronger and better than barney <laughs>
0: And as Bush later tells the story, that was all that Bush needed to know. He had a sense of how Vladimir Putin viewed dogs and understood his character, and that made an informed decision about how he handled
1: Putin. That shows you can tell a lot about a person by the way they interact with their dogs. Speaking of Barney, he wasn't always a barometer of diplomatic relations. He had another job at the White House, the Barney camp. And Barney, if I'm not mistaken... You've already got a pretty big job to do right here at the White House with the Christmas decorations.
2: And this little bitty camera was put on Barney, and he would run through the White House to share the Christmas decor with everybody. And it was one of the most successful um, launches, 24 million views that day. Think about That's even a huge success for today. And, and they were just much loved.
1: Have there been times when a president's image maybe took a hit because of a dog?
4: LBJ loved dogs. I mean, you know, you're talking a guy from West Texas. He'd grown up with animals in a rural setting. And so his his experience with animals was very different than a lot of presidents.
0: There's a famous picture from Life magazine that stirred up a lot of controversy. It's a picture of Johnson holding up his beagle named Him, that's the dog's name, Him, by his ears.
1: You know, he also had a dog named Her.
0: Him and Her. <laughs> Johnson
4: didn't seem to realize that that would be a problem. Like, he he'd been doing it for years with the dog, and he thought the dog liked it. But, uh, you know, even back then, people were like, well, hold up, LBJ. You can't pick up the dog by the ears.
0: But Johnson defended himself.
4: I got a dog
1: lover on my hand because I hold my beagle dog up to take a picture. The guy taking the picture writes the story.
0: LBJ truly loved dogs, and he was surprised by the negative media coverage that he received. He blamed the media for the situation instead of acknowledging the fact that people thought, hey, this is not the way you should treat a dog. You know, it is a situation that still resonates today. fake news. But uh, Jennifer Pickens thinks the media did jump too quickly to a conclusion.
2: Um, Yes, I think it was unfortunate. and It sort of tells you what can happen when the media sees something in a split second. As time goes on, history will sometimes record what really happened. And Johnson was a huge pet lover.
0: So dogs can be important for a president's image, but they can also play a bigger role on the international stage, it turns out. Andrew Hager from the Presidential Pet Museum has a children's book coming out later this year, about one of JFK's dogs named Pushinka. The story's
4: great. She was given to the Kennedys by Nikita Khrushchev, who was at the time the premier of the Soviet Union, our mortal enemy.
1: So there's a summit in 1961, and Khrushchev and Jackie Kennedy are sitting next to each other, and he's telling her about Belka and Strelka, who were these dogs that the Russians had sent into space and had returned safely to Earth.
4: Strelka had just had puppies, and Jackie says, oh, you have to send me one, you know. Kind of the way that if you told me you had a beach house, I'd be like, oh, yeah, you got to have me out to your beach house sometime. And you would say, yeah, and then we'd never remember it, and it would never happen.
0: But in this case, it did happen. Chris was paying attention, and he sent a puppy to Jackie.
4: With a little Russian passport, and the FBI had to come over and examine the dog for explosive devices and listening devices. And once they determined that the dog was good to go, the dog became part of the Kennedy family and eventually had puppies with uh, with Charlie, who was one of JFK's other dogs,
1: some of the puppies went to friends, but two were given to children who had written letters to Jackie for a contest she held. I think you can still trace the bloodline of Pushinka and Charlie. That
0: is so cool. You know, this exchange between Kennedy and Khrushchev of gifts went on for a while. So after Pushinka, Kennedy gave Khrushchev a gift. It was a ship and a bottle.
4: Which is not as good a gift. Like, if somebody gives you a dog, don't don't send them a ship and a bottle unless you know that's really what they want.
0: So about a year later, we have the Cuban Missile Crisis. The world is on the brink of nuclear war.
1: Military leaders for both governments are telling Khrushchev, we're going to have to go nuclear. We're going to have to attack now. But both of them back away from the brink. Can you guess what's been suggested as one of the reasons why? Pushinka. Pushinka. <laughs>
4: If somebody gives you a dog, are you likely to look at that person and think, oh, he's obviously evil and soulless and I should drop a nuclear bomb on him? No.
0: <laughs> so basically, Pushinka may have saved the world from nuclear annihilation. That's not bad, man. Yep.
1: Yeah. All in a day's work for a presidential dog. There's a quote often attributed to Harry Truman.
0: If you want a friend in Washington, get a dog.
1: Right. But Truman never actually said that. It was from a 1975 play called Give Him Hell, Harry. The character depicting Harry Truman, played by actor James Whitmore, says...
4: You want a friend in this life? Get a dog.
1: <laughs> it turns out Truman wasn't really a dog person.
4: He was given a dog named Feller, and he kept it very briefly before passing it along. Uh, and when he was when he was questioned about the dog later, you know, reporters were like, well, where's your dog? And he had just forgotten about it. He was like, what dog? What are you talking about? And he even said something to a friend of his at one point, like... Uh,
0: I didn't even want that damn dog. Harry Truman and Donald Trump were a lot alike in that respect. Trump was offered a dog, a golden doodle named Patton.
1: After General Patton.
0: A prominent philanthropist in Palm Beach, Florida who advocates for veterans and animal causes, Lois Pope offered the puppy to Trump, but he eventually declined.
1: Yeah, he didn't want one.
0: The idea
4: of Donald Trump, you know, kind of like rolling up his shirt sleeves, taking off his tie and rolling around on the, the ground with a dog, you just can't picture it, right? So... And I think he knew that about himself. And I mean, maybe maybe it would have benefited President Trump to a certain extent to have some sort of pet like that. Uh, but, you know, he wasn't a dog person. And if you don't like dogs, don't get one just for your image. You know, that's not good for the animal.
0: Truer words were never said. And this is actually a good time to take a break, because when we come back, we'll look ahead to the Biden White House and what happens next. You're listening to Dog Edition. And now, a message from your dog. Every day with you is like a day at the beach. And I want as many
3: beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green, grassy, beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy. Especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it. Everpuff traveling to every cell in my body, nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world. I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day because every day I'm so glad to be with you. I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpuff. It just makes me feel good. I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me.
0: So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Ever pup every day. Welcome back to Dog Edition. This week, dogs are returning to the White House. Yay! I'm really excited to see the Bidens' two German Shepherds running along on the South Lawn.
1: Hey, did you ever... See the Dog Lovers for Joe ad campaign that ran last year before the election?
0: I did. It kept showing up in my YouTube feed.
1: I never saw it. And, you know, I'm definitely a person that responds to ads that have cute dogs in them. So I'm sad I didn't get to see it. But I never really thought about how those ads are targeted directly at me, which I guess is the magic of advertising. Well,
0: there is someone who thought a lot about that connection. I spoke with him. His name is Rob Schwartz. He is the CEO of the ad agency TBWA Chiat Day in New York. He's used man's best friend to anchor several of his most successful ad campaigns.
3: The Taco Bell Chihuahua.
0: His agency worked on a famous ad campaign for Nissan.
3: The proposition was dogs love trucks.
0: And for Pedigree Dog Food, he built a strategy around the thought that Everything you do is for the love of dogs. And the tagline was Dogs Rule. He's also responsible for that Dog Lovers for Joe campaign that I just mentioned.
3: As I was observing this uh, campaign, I started to read quite a bit about Joe Biden, and he had this connection with dogs. And when you started to read the story about his adoption of Major and his relationship to his uh, previous uh, German Shepherd, uh, Champ, I thought, "Ah, this is really kind of interesting. And I looked over on the other side, and I said, Trump doesn't have a dog.
1: So clearly, he understands the psychology behind the bond a person has with their dog and how that can be a powerful marketing tool.
3: So much of the selling of a president, the making of a president,
0: is words and pictures. It's imagery. He knew that Democrats would respond positively to the ad, but he didn't just want to target Democrats.
3: When you look at the high penetration of dog ownership, I think it's close to 70% in America. When you start to look at the red states that have the highest dog ownership, Alabama, Alaska, Wyoming, West Virginia, Idaho, I mean, Arkansas. I mean, these are like heartland red Republican states with high dog ownership. And our thinking was, could we be united by fur? Could you set aside your political... Uh, leanings and, and, and passions and remind yourself of, wait a minute, I am also a dog person. My best friend, my dog, maybe does need a dog person in the
0: White House. The ad ran all over social media and the team tracked the engagement in order to see how effective it was at reaching those folks in the red states.
3: You'll see a tweet that's kind of like, a reluctance, like, oh, they're they're touching they're touching my dog nerve, you know, but I'm still a Trump person.
0: <laughs> the data allowed them to refocus. If you
3: just move uh, that strategy over slightly to swing states, the spot was produced, and uh, we were chatting with the Biden folks. They immediately felt that this was the kind of thing that could tip a swing state voter in Biden's favor.
1: So it seems to have worked. The dog lovers for Joe campaign could have been a contributing factor to Biden's win. Okay, so Biden is in the White House now and he's brought along his two German shepherds.
0: Champ, who the Bidens have had since 2008, and Major, who they just adopted in 2018 from the Delaware Humane Association. Major is going to be the first shelter dog to live in the White House.
1: Okay, and for the sake of being accurate, there's a distinction that Andrew Hager pointed out to us between first shelter dog in the White House and first rescue dog.
4: Lyndon Johnson had a dog named Yuki who was found as a stray outside a gas station in Texas and was eventually given to him by his daughter. So there have been animals uh, like Yuki who've been at the White House and have been rescued from some circumstance or another.
0: Uh, the, the first controversy of the Biden administration already.
1: I'm really curious how this works. How does the president elect now president go about adopting a shelter dog?
0: He
5: just showed up. You know, that's a totally Delaware thing where Joe Biden just shows up at the shelter on Easter Sunday. That's
0: Patrick Carroll. He's the executive director of the Delaware Humane Association.
5: Someone came to us who had six puppies, German Shepherd puppies, and they were sick. They weren't doing very well. So we sent them to a a veterinary emergency center. They determined they had gotten into some sort of toxic substance. They could be treated and Their lives could be saved, but it just would be expensive. So the person had to end up giving
0: them up to us and surrendering them to us. The DHA posted about the puppies on Facebook, and it turns out that Joe Biden's daughter, Ashley, saw the post because she follows their account.
5: She, I guess, shared that with her father and said, hey, I know you've been looking for another uh, German shepherd for Champ to have friends. And so here, look at these puppies at
0: Delaware Humane Association. So this is where he shows up at the DHA on Easter Sunday to see the puppies.
5: You can ring the bell at the gate, the doorbell. And I guess he probably said, hey, it's Joe Biden. (laughs) So they let him in. Of
0: course they let him in. But, you know, the puppies weren't there. They were all being cared for in foster homes.
5: What happened is their dog trainer that they have, who's worked with their German shepherds, called me and said, hey, uh, I understand you have these puppies. Joe Biden's very interested in one of them. We said, well, we can make that happen.
0: Major went into foster care with the Bidens and the trainer until he was old enough and healthy enough for formal adoption.
5: We wanted to do a normal adoption process with him. And so we um, had him come in. And he came that day just with Major, all by himself. And we finalize the adoption. We do paperwork. We have an adoption contract. And uh, our adoption counselor goes over everything.
1: So now I'm trying to picture Joe Biden holding a clipboard, you know, with a string and the pen attached to it, filling out this paperwork. Dogs are back in the White House, which maybe makes our president more relatable. But is that enough? Can dogs help us bridge the divide?
5: You know, they say people who go to dog parks, they they connect with people at the dog park because they have that common interest and that common experience of having a dog.
1: Back at the dog park in San Francisco, a solidly blue area, politically speaking.
0: Despite the gun range right next door.
1: Yeah, exactly. I asked some fellow dog lovers if they thought they could tell something about someone's politics by whether they owned a dog. I feel like yes. Yeah, you could tell someone's politics, but maybe that's just me assuming.
3: Definitely, I feel like it would open up the idea that they have compassion across the board.
0: Maybe compassion across the board leads to compassion across the aisle as Joe Biden works to usher in a new era of bipartisanship.
1: Although Democrats have taken back the Senate, they face the slimmest majorities in both chambers in decades.
0: All eyes from all sides of the political divide, Republicans and Democrats and independents, will look to Joe Biden to champion major bipartisan <laughs> legislation. I had to. You didn't.
2: now it is time for america to unite to come together to reject the violence that we have seen we are one american people thank you very much this is the united
3: states of america there has never been anything we can't do when we do it together There is something mystical about our connection to dogs.
4: Every dog, you know, has its place and its purpose.
3: We need a dog back in the White House. I've got two of them.
0: Thank you for bringing Dog Edition along with you on your walk today. We'll be back next week with another episode, but chances are that you and your dog will be taking a walk between now and then, and we have something for you to listen to.
1: At Dog Podcast Network, we speak to some amazing people. And you hear snippets on this show.
0: But if you're interested in hearing more from our guests, please check out DPN's sister show, The Long Leash, with me, James Jacobson. In your favorite podcast player links are in today's show notes
1: this week hear the extended conversations with author and historian jennifer pickens new york ad man rob schwartz and presidential pet museum historian andrew hager
0: each one of those is individual episodes and i want to encourage you to take dog edition along with you on your walk next week we'll learn about what floof is from Shelley ross author of scruffy our loyal pandemic pooches and the good, the bad, and the crazy haircuts we gave them.
1: The floof is a phenomenon that happened during the 2020 pandemic.
0: Pam, do you know what floof is?
1: Well, I can kind of maybe guess what it is. But I'll find out next week when we'll also hear the story of Piglet, the blind and deaf puppy who became an Internet sensation and an inspiration to many. How much trouble can a one-pound puppy be? Find out next week on Dog Edition.
0: Dog Podcast Network is for dog lovers, by dog lovers, and that means that we want to hear from you. Please reach out with your thoughts and suggestions and story ideas. You can call our recorded listener line, toll-free in the United States, at 866 866- Talk Dog. That's eight six six talk dog. And also visit us at dogpodcastnetwork.com and learn more about what we have currently and what we're planning, including our other shows, especially for dog lovers. You can also learn about our hundred and one dog stories contest with over fifteen thousand dollars in prize money.
1: Of course, we're on all of the social channels, as well as YouTube, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Dog Edition and tell a friend about the show. I'm Pamela Lawrence, and I'll see you at the dog park.
0: I'm James Jacobson, and I want to thank you for listening today. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, we wish you and your dog a warm aloha.
2: Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine?